Do you have questions about your health? Do you need to find out what's keeping you from feeling your absolute best? If so, your intuition has guided you to the right place. I am Dr. Charlize, and welcome to the Art of Healing podcast community. In this podcast, we explore all topics in health and wellness, from Reiki to functional medicine, energy medicine, chakras, and meditation. Join me every week for fresh new episodes that highlight healers, various healing modalities, and choose this as your opportunity to find what healing works best for you. If you want to learn more about me, simply Google at Dr. Charlize. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Art of Healing Podcast. This is Charlize and thank you so much for joining me for today's topic. So we've been discussing issues of the heart quite a bit and to the end of this podcast, I'll share why that is. But today's podcast is concerning pain or discomfort in the chest, your achy, breaky heart. Just want to remind the listeners, and I know I can trust all of you, but if you are having chest pain, you don't know what it is. You have to get that checked out. You can't check on it at home and you can't self-diagnose. And although I hope this podcast is a resource, it doesn't replace seeing a physician or heading to the emergency room if it's something serious. Um, And of course, you can check my website disclaimer as well for more information on that. Chest pain, unfortunately, is a common thing many of us will experience. And just as I stated, we have to make sure it's not something serious. And those are the things that take us to the emergency room, like a myocardial infarction or what we call a heart attack, a pulmonary embolism, which is like a blood clot in the lungs. Pneumonia can also cause chest pain. So that's why, which I'm sure most of us are aware that in medical evaluations and medical settings, um, the issue of chest pain when it comes up is acted upon very quickly in emergency room settings as well as in uh, ER settings. So to start with, the um, most common, most feared reason why you could be having chest pain is a myocardial infarction or a heart attack. And um, this is an event that is actually a long time in the making. It does take a while before the arteries that supply blood to the heart, which are the coronary arteries, become blocked. But once they become blocked, the catastrophic damage happens in seconds to minutes. Many people don't quite understand what happens during a heart attack. And I think even the term we use heart attack is confusing. Um, The medical term myocardial infarction, which is for a heart attack, that word infarct um, translates from Latin. And any of my um, Latin speaking listeners, I'd appreciate a correction on this, but I think it's infarcir which means to plug or to cram. That's the term infarction. And during a myocardial infarction, um, what is happening is the coronary arteries, which are the arteries that supply blood to the myocardium, become blocked, become 
crammed, basically. Um, the blockage could be from a blood clot. The blockage could be from a cholesterol plaque. Uh, but once that happens, these arteries, which um, are not very big, but they're supplying muscle, they're supplying blood to very powerful, very active muscles, the myocardium, powerful muscles that are moving constantly, pumping constantly, contracting powerfully constantly in your chest. And because of their constant motion, the myocardium, the muscle tissue requires a lot of oxygen and it can't really tolerate going without oxygen because then it can't pump blood. If it doesn't pump blood, you don't get circulated oxygenated blood in the system. So if one of those or many of those become blocked, it causes that myocardium to, to infarct, which means to go without oxygen and then to start to begin to slowly die. And so in care, in medical care, when we're dealing with a myocardial infarction, time is of the essence, which is why in an emergency room setting, someone with chest pain will often be treated before anyone else, because there's usually a few minutes to get that artery unblocked to prevent the heart from becoming permanently damaged and to prevent death. Even after restoring the blood flow, which maybe it's done with a blood thinner or a, a, a clot buster that's given or a procedure's done right away where a cardiologist goes in and unblocks the artery, um, it's still a dangerous time because this very powerful myocardium that's churning and, and constantly pumping um, still may pick up some damage. So we have to watch out for things like heart failure, which means the muscle can't pump, can't move the blood. And of course, that can make you very sick. Many people may already know this, but it's a pretty uh, boots on the ground, real deal thing that after a myocardial infarction or a heart attack, depression is actually fairly common. Um, according to a study, which is called depression and anxiety after acute myocardial infarction treated by a primary PCI. And I will put the link to this citation in my show notes that up to 21% of people feel depression after cardiac ischemia. So, um, in, in my own practice, um, I definitely, um, since that, I don't know the exact numbers, but I sense that it is probably a higher number of individuals, um, have feelings of depression if they actually don't develop clinical depression after a myocardial infarction, after a heart attack. Um, and so why would that be? And so that's, that's an interesting question that medical science attempts to answer. I do think energy medicine can answer um, somewhat, but um, it does make you question where we carry our emotions. Where do we carry many of these things? We sense that we carry it our heart. But after picking up damage in the heart to have, you know, feelings of depression, um, you know, is it because you've, you know, someone that's had a myocardial infarction has just experienced a really scary event? Absolutely. Um, is it because after the myocardial infarction, this might be your first um, major reminder of your mortality? Certainly. How could you not feel depressed or feel some, you know, some existential feelings about, you know, who you are, why you're here, how long do you have to live? Um, and then even deeper than that, you know, what else, you know, goes into that? Um, we do know that individuals with 
chronic depression may be at increased risk of a myocardial infarction as well. Um, so you would maybe wonder if this would be something we see after a stroke, but it's a definitely well-known event to happen after a heart attack. And I think it just helps to remind us of the connection we have to our bodies. And um, even as you're listening to this, you might even start to tap into where you carry your feelings, where you truly feel like you carry them. Um, and is it in the head? Is it the chest? Is it in the belly? Um, it's really worth examining. Um, and, and just knowing that depression after a heart attack reminds us of that connection. So, of course, there are other reasons to have pain in the chest. There are definitely other reasons to have pain in the chest. So one of these four reasons that you may have an achy, breaky heart is that you might have a little too much fire, too much fire. Um, so you probably guess what that fire might be. And the fire may not even be exactly in the chest. It might be in the belly in the form of heartburn or reflux, or sometimes medically, as we say, gastroesophageal reflux disease. So why this causes chest pain if the origin of the issues in the stomach? Uh, the stomach, of course, sits in the abdomen beneath the, the diaphragm, and it connects to the, the esophagus, runs to the stomach through the diaphragm. So the stomach is a really cool organ. You know, it's our digestive organ. It's doing all kinds of cool things as far as breaking down your food. Um, I like to remind my patients that um, it's a pretty, um, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting organ. It's, it contains acid that we use to digest our food. Then it also uses mechanical pressure. It contracts to help digest food initially. Um the acid in your stomach, it's pretty powerful, which like, you know, not to be too icky, but we know like if you throw up on something that, that vomit, the vomitus that we sometimes say medically can destroy fabrics. It can color, it can stain. Of course, the odor is bad, but part of why that odor is bad is because it contains acid, which acid corrodes, it tears things up. So the connection between the esophagus and the stomach is meant to be very strong. It's something called a sphincter that's there that's supposed to stay nice and tight so that once you eat and the stomach starts to do its job, which is it's producing acid and then it's got to contract to move the food around to start to digest it. Um, this sphincter helps to keep it contained. So the stomach stay, the acid stays in the stomach and doesn't come into the chest or into the esophagus. Um, a little bit of that will happen no matter what because of just how we're designed. But, um, if it's happening a lot, if that esophageal sphincter doesn't stay closed very well, if it starts to open up, um, what happens is when you eat and the stomach begins to do its job of contracting powerfully, um, some of the acid will squeeze through the sphincter and come into the esophagus. And this is where it gets confusing because your pain receptors can tell you something hurts and you get an idea of what hurts because the pain has a quality to it. So it might be a burning or, um, you know, a throbbing or something like that, but your, your, your brain and your nervous system 
doesn't give you that much detail, unfortunately. So it can be hard to tell when that pain in the chest is from heartburn or if the pain in the chest is from myocardial infarction or from something in the lungs. It can be very difficult to tell. So of course, that's why I started the podcast with you. Gotta get, gotta get it checked out. But when it's this esophageal reflux disease, um, it can definitely manifest as just chest pain. Some people, that's how they first present with it. So the stomach, which is in the abdomen, is actually one of the organs of the solar plexus chakra, Manipura, um, is thought to be our seat of motivation, our willpower, our personal drive. And um, of course, as you kind of process like times you may have had heartburn, because at some point we all get some form of this. Maybe it's certain foods that you get it with, or um, you might notice you get this if you're stressed, if you eat too quickly at lunch and you're at, back at work and you might notice it, or if you eat too late at night, um, you may notice that pain as the stomach gets into the esophagus. But um, I think most physicians to some extent might agree, or I would think we might all agree that if someone tends to be sort of forceful in their nature, or maybe tends to um, want to, I, I want to put this nicely, but maybe enforce their will on others, maybe too willful, um, that they may be overly expressing this power to the detriment of others. So, um, you know, just if you're experiencing this, you may want to think about in your life, are there places you're attempting to exert control that you don't actually have to? I, you know, I'm not saying we don't have to control things, but if you're suffering frequent heartburn and you're getting, you've gotten it checked out, and you're getting medicated, and you're trying to figure out how to solve it, in addition to making your dietary changes and your lifestyle changes and not eating too late and knowing which foods set you off, avoiding alcohol, not smoking. Um, you know, is there anything else that could be going on? Is it that in certain settings, you may be attempting to exert control when you don't have to? That's a difficult one. Because of course, a lot of times when we're trying to control a conversation, a setting, a meeting, we're, we're trying to do good, we're trying to help. But I've noticed this, uh, I ain't even in myself, but definitely in my patients, it's all, it's a lot, we all do this that we may be trying to control things that are out of our control, um, like the weather, the time, the what other people do, that, you know, what other, that's like a classic one. When you maybe in your interactions, you're attempting to control someone when in fact that was never yours to control, maybe accept, maybe process, maybe have emotions about, absolutely. But as far as changing an outcome, in that manner, maybe that's not so much. And that might be helping to drive that burning fire that's causing that chest pain. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me during this podcast episode. I just want to let you know as a special gift to all my listeners, I am offering a promotion for a limited time. You can save 20% on all of my courses on my online dispensary and even 20% working with me individually in a one hour consult for functional medicine or with a Reiki healing session. You will use the code alchemy healing. When you make your purchase, check your show notes to learn more. This special goes until June 3rd. So sign up today. 
Now let's return to the podcast. So another place that chest pain can arise from, not necessarily the heart, not necessarily the lungs, but many individuals present with a chest pain that can be severe, that is actually originating from the ribs or the sternum. Um, We breathe consciously and most of the time unconsciously because we're all in a hurry. I mean, even as I talk now, I'm like, I'm checking. If you've listened to my podcast, I, I talk a lot about breathing and posture. And as I'm talking, I just realized I'm sitting ouchy slouchy and breathing real shallow, um, just working myself up into something there. But um, as we're going about it and we're breathing, we often don't register the movement of our chest and what all is happening. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. Your ribs are actually functional bones. They don't just sit there. They're not just there just to um, just to be there. In addition to being like a protective shield against the chest and providing that protection to protect these um, important organs, these ribs also have connections to your spine. And then they connect to the breastplate or the sternum. And then the sternum, there's actually a joint. There's actually a joint in each where each of those ribs connects um, that is in constant motion because it has to be because the ribs have to move every time you inhale and every time you exhale. So as if someone is undergoing a lot of stress, feeling a lot of pressure, is uh, sitting too much, sitting too ouchy slouchy, if they are um, breathing too shallow, feeling pressured by others or themselves, they may be adapting and starting to breathe really shallow and really rapidly and keeping the chest wall muscles too contracted to the point that they may spasm and they may act out and they can actually be an extremely powerful source of chest pain. Um, the term that's sometimes used in medicine is costochondritis, meaning just inflammation of a joint, but the joint being where the rib connects to the sternum. Um, sometimes an injury, so an external injury, a fall or something hits the chest can absolutely cause this, but sometimes it just happens. Well, in medicine, we say, well, it, you know, it just happens. But um, what I frequently notice is that it's not unusual for fairly young people to get an episode of costochondritis um, in the setting of feeling very stressed out, overwhelmed, a major life change. So when this happens, this this chest pain can be differentiated from the other chest pains. And it's what we say reproducible, meaning you can actually touch the area that's hurting and it actually will hurt to touch. It really helps the physician in diagnosis. It helps a lot to know that. Um, The type of chest pain from costochondritis can be quite profound. It can be crippling, but it can be easily managed. And usually we do things like anti-inflammatories or something like that. But um, with my own patients, I often remind them of, you know, hey, what's going on? This must be a very stressful time. You must be feeling very pressured um, in your life. And what else can we do to manage that? And um, 
often, even as we're talking in the clinic, I can watch their breath slow down as they begin to process and make the connection that, oh, they have been stressed. Oh, they have been going through something. All of these things have been happening. And as they make that connection, just slowly feeling some of that weight lift off of them. When costochondritis develops, sometimes it can take a while to resolve, but definitely it's a good example of being sort of maybe closed off. So maybe feeling so overwhelmed by emotions, by your own emotions or by emotions of others that you want to cave the chest in, you start to breathe really shallow and you put stress on those joints and then they begin to hurt. So, you know, naturally learning to slow down the breath and even a step before that, simply just acknowledging how you're feeling. It may just take taking a step back and saying, oh my, I am feeling this. I am feeling that. Um, Taking a step back, simply acknowledging and then going from there. And then realizing, you know, maybe it's time to slow things down. Maybe it's time to reevaluate. What am I so stressed out about? What can I do to help this? So costochondritis is definitely a good reminder of, you know, it is okay to feel these things, but it's okay to take a step back. Finally, um, a reason someone may have aching in the chest, which you may have already guessed this, but grief, grief, loss, literally heartbreak can absolutely cause pain in the chest. I think we can all agree that when we've suffered a big loss, you feel it physically and in every part of your body. Um, And particularly in the heart, you can feel it. And there is a documented um, type of heart failure that is associated with extreme grief and shock, um, in which extreme Emotions, particularly around grief, cause the heart to fail and because the muscles become very weak. So um, this is a unfortunately um, increasing thing I'm seeing in my clinic in which loss, particularly with the pandemic, people losing loved ones in the pandemic are presenting with chest pain. Physically, they're okay, but their chest pain is definitely related to the loss of a loved one. Um, which of course is very painful. However, um, acknowledging the grief, which um, healing from grief takes many forms and takes time. But a lot of times my role with my patients is to simply shine a light and acknowledge the loss that they've been through and what they're experiencing. And that it is very much something that they should go through, but it doesn't mean that it'll go on forever. Grief comes in waves, grief changes, but in general, grief will improve with time. Um, I do always like to remind my patients, anyone I work with, and even myself, that although I can witness your grief and I can um, tell you physically what you're feeling and why, and medically, I can definitely rule out things that are um, scary or dangerous. Um, I cannot... um, completely experience it for you. I can't really know what you're going through. So that is important um, to realize that although I can have some idea, I can't truly know what someone's going through um, because I'm not in their shoes. So 
as always, thank you so much for listening to the Art of Healing podcast. Um, this episode's discussing issues of heart. And the reason why is because I've decided I wanted to write another book. So I wrote one book called The 21 Day Meditation Journey. And it was so fun. I didn't anticipate the fun it would be. And I didn't anticipate how it would allow me to connect with others. That's been really nice. I, um, uh, hard to describe. It's been really nice to connect in a way I really didn't even know existed until I wrote that book. So I've decided to launch onto another journey. And this will be concerning the heart, the heart chakra, um, matters of the heart. And that's why we've been discussing the heart so much. And um, for those of you that are um, listening or read my blogs, I, I want you to be involved. I want you to know this book is going to be called The Heart of Being. And the book is going to help us cultivate positive emotions of compassion, self-reliance, um, inner strength by journeying through the anatomy of the heart chakra. So um, if you would like more updates, if you'd like to know what's going on, definitely sign up for my newsletter, which I will put in the show notes and I can keep you posted as to how it's going. And of course, if you're listening, and you feel so moved, definitely leave me a review. I definitely appreciate it. But more than anything, I appreciate your time with me. I appreciate you listening. Everyone's time is valuable. So I always take it as a really touching matter. And of course, from my heart to yours, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining during this episode of the Art of Healing podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review. Also, you can check your show notes to find out how to get a copy of this and future episodes emailed directly to your inbox, available to listen to anytime. Finally, if you have questions or wish to connect to me, check your show notes to find out how we can get connected and find out how I can be of service to you. 